Testing. One, two, three. Testing. Sweet chariot. <laughs> Coming for carry me home. I sound like <laughs> Grandpa Waters, Jesus. Sometimes I sing country or gospel and I'm like, oh, I sound like Grandpa Waters. I know. And sometimes you randomly will say things that they've said. Yeah, I, I've noticed, as, especially as I've gotten older, dad comes out of me a lot. Yeah, our dad would say, bless him, Lord. And Amen. Church, bless him. Bless him, Lord. Josh and I have talked about how we were raised in a Southern Baptist church. And so <laughs> that's some of the things that we experienced was... <laughs> Amen. Amen. And I'm not making fun of my father. I'm try whenever I do someone's voice, I try to do it as accurately as possible. Yeah. I love a good impersonation and yeah. I sound a lot like him you when do. I deep in my voice. Amen. You do. You do. Bless him, oh. Jesus. Bless. Here we are talking about religion again. <laughs> that is what my topic Put is the today. the mic right in front of Josh, and he just goes right into Jesus and I the find, Lord. Okay, I am not Christian, but I find the mythology of all religions fascinating. I mean, it's mm -hmm. just as much of the Earth's history yeah. as anything else, and it's just... It's to me it's like reading about fairy tale castles and unicorns. You know what I find fascinating about religion is everyone thinks that their religion's the right one. Right. And everyone else's religion is the wrong one. Mm -hmm. And I just can't fathom the thought that there is this <laughs> one being who everyone dies and you go up to someone's heaven that they believe in and that person's like, "Oh no, no, you you believed in all the right things, but you ate this one thing. Right. And now you can't get it in. Uh, uh, uh. Everything else you did in life was okay, and you followed all my rules, but this one thing that you did, Sorry nope. about it. <laughs> nope. Sorry, can't let you in. There are like three of the major religions, Catholicism, Jewish, and I forget the other one, but they all, I didn't realize <laughs> they all worshipped the same God, like yeah. literally the same person, just they all believe the Jewish God is a lot more stricter than our Baptist God. Mm -hmm. He is. He don't put up with nothing. I've right. been watching the nanny a lot. <laughs> a couple of days ago, I was walking outside of the studio to go home, and there was a lady who was walking outside, and she handed me a pamphlet. And there are a lot of businesses Jesus. down here. I know. Well, that yeah, mm -hmm. Amen. And she handed me this little pamphlet, and she said, "Here." And I was just like, "Okay, thank you." And I thought that it was going to be like coupons or something for a business. Because it was going to be First Friday down here. Oh, yeah. And First Friday, for you listening, it is like an event of the first Friday of every month here in our downtown where all the businesses come out and do a big event. We live in basically a Hallmark movie town. <laughs> yeah. no, no joke. Yeah. It, it's lovely. Yeah. And so like, oh, what is that? What's that? The vendor that always parks right outside of our studio. Oh, is it the hot dog guy? Yeah, but the hot dog guy always has like a really funny saying on the side. Nick's wiener wagon. Yeah, Nick's like wiener wagon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so I was walking out there and the lady handed me the little pamphlet. She's just like, here you go. And I thought that it was a business-related pamphlet. And I open it up and I realize that it's a religious pamphlet. And then like it immediately starts saying like, you're gonna burn in hell. You better go. You better come to this church right now. Or and like and Happy just, Easter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was very scary. 
And I was just thinking, this isn't how you would get me to come to your church. Like, right. this might work for some people. Fear-based. But this isn't... Welcome to religion. <laughs> this isn't how you get me to come to your service. Have you seen the ones? It's a, a little pamphlet, but it's folded, and it looks like money. Like a $20, or I've even seen $100 bills. And I've seen people, I've known women who are waitresses, who receive these as tips not okay. They oh go to get like, oh, wow, they left a $20 bill. They pick it up, open it. Have you found Jesus? Uh-uh. I'd, I'd run out to their car. Yeah, they'd find my knife. backhand. Right. You about to find something. <laughs> That's just, to me, I'm like, you know, whatever your beliefs are, tip your waitresses yeah. for crying out loud. Let me reunite you. How rude. With your Jesus. Right. You about right to now. meet him. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I've seen that many a time. I've gotten a few of them, like, because I've seen them on the ground before. I mean, I'm not one to mm-hmm. walk past a $20 bill on the ground, and you're right. like, oh, lucky me, I'm going to go get coffee. Oh, no. I got to go find somebody and beat them up now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've not seen those, but maybe I'm just not looking hard enough. I want some, but for unexisting gay agenda. Yeah. Have you dick today? (laughs) Let me tell you how. Call me. (laughs) Like an advertising for for the gay agenda. Well, the bathroom walls aren't working, so I got to find another. (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. My Sharpies always dry out before I finish that phone number. (laughs) We're in a good mood. We're about ready to go to Myrtle Beach tomorrow so we're like it's gonna be so walking nice it's there. 75 outside today we're having a yeah. good day yeah which is like very unusual for this time of year in, in indiana and we've experienced some really cold weather so we're ready to go to the beach oh, oh it's gonna be so nice just give me a beach and i just want a drink with a, a little umbrella in it mm-hmm. oh. we're driving the mystery machine out there it's going to be a really good time. We're we're meeting up with some podcaster friends. I'm excited to resort. meet Wendy. Yeah, Wendy is coming into town. Wendy. Wendy is from England. She helps me with the Foul Play podcast. Can I see your potato peeler? Yeah, so we have to drive up to Chicago to pick her up from the airport, and then we're going to drive down to Myrtle Beach. And Josh, are you going to bring your keeny? Oh, I've got two bottoms and several tops to wear. I've got two different... <laughs> hats to wear depending on the wind I have an uh, umbrella i have i had one beach blanket but i found another one it's a palm reading black beach oh towel gosh. i've never seen a gothic looking black beach towel i was like now, yes now josh we have limited space in our vehicle i know i pack very condensedly i have one suitcase and two carry-ons <laughs> <laughs> plus With- my laptop bag and something else and all his accessories listen i try to pack light i really did (laughs) i was like i'm just gonna bring the basics and then by now i've packed last night was probably the fourth time i get stuff out try it on no that don't look right let me try this on and oh i might need this what if i need pepto i better bring all my medicine just in case what if i can't sleep you never know yeah. I like to be prepared. <laughs> I, w- I was going through the stuff that I was going to pack last night. I'm a last minute packer, though, so I don't do what you do. I started a month ago. But I do like think in my head, like the things that I want to bring with me. And one of the things that I started valuing here recently is a new purchase. And I don't know if you ever tried this, Josh, but 
I recently bought a weighted blanket. Oh, I've heard and about I those. sleep with it. Well, I didn't know much about them. And so I bought one. And when you buy one online, and if you're like me and you don't know a whole lot about them, you don't really know like what weight to buy. Oh, and yeah. I've I'm heard a, people yeah. get heavy ones. Well, and I'm a really big person. And I'm like, well, I'm going to sleep with it. So if I'm going to buy a weighted blanket, you kind of like think... You want to wait to blanket. You don't want to, you know, I've got just a chihuahua. S- I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> right. She wouldn't be able to come out. Bless her. But I just thought, well, if I'm going to get a weighted blanket, I want the weighted blanket, like oh, all the way weighted. So I bought the heaviest weighted blanket I could find, which was for a California king size bed. Oh my God. So this blanket comes in, right? And it gets delivered to my house. And I go pick it up and you I, can't. Can, I can barely pick up the dang box. Right? You just bought a box of sand. Yeah. It's like 60 pounds or something oh like God. that. And I just thought, oh, dear Lord, what did I do? You know, and it looks great. And I got it on my bed. And then the first night I put it on, I just like laid on my back, which I'm not a back sleeper, but I laid on my back and I like rolled it on you. I rolled it on me <laughs> and I just laid there and I just thought, I don't know that I can turn over with this laundry. <laughs> Like, there's no me getting up from move. this. Yeah. And it's just a very abnormal feeling. It just, and then I just thought, like, this feels like someone's like weighing me down. Yeah. To me, it, it makes me think of those people that get night terrors where they're yeah. like, I was paralyzed and unable to move while a demon kept coming closer right. to me. No, thank you. Right. It's been a couple of weeks now since I've had it and I'm really used to it. So I went and washed it. Uh, a couple of nights ago. So I used a different comforter and felt like paper. Yeah, it did. I like used the, just the normal comforter and I put it on me and it was just like barely on me. And I was like, <laughs> this doesn't feel right. I don't feel safe. Yeah. And then I started laughing to myself in my head. Cause I just thought this doesn't feel like someone's choking me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Welcome to my world. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's a comedian I like who I can't remember who, I just remember it's a woman, but she said, yeah, for all you single people out there, get a weighted blanket, spray a little cologne on it, put it on you, <laughs> reach in that bedroom side table. Ooh, just like having a boyfriend. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and he chokes you right. if, he's, if it's heavy enough. Dang. He'll know the safe word. Well, and it's also so heavy, though, that if you accidentally, like, it's so heavy that it shouldn't go off of you. But if you don't get it all the way on you onto the bed, it will fall off the bed. So you have to like get it on the bed really, really well. So it's been a learning curve, <laughs> but it does help you with like your, if you have anxiety and stuff, hmm. but like we, <laughs> I get anxiety being trapped. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like I was like, I wonder how it's going to help with anxiety. So like I was feeling kind of anxious one night I put it on and I was like, well, now I'm not anxious because I literally can't think of anything else because I can't get up. <laughs> like, you know, all I can think about is how I can't breathe now. Oh, great. <laughs> I've seen the movie Anaconda. Like, I start over. I'm like, what if the house catches on fire and I'm stuck under this dang blanket because I'm too right. tired? Because sometimes, you know, when you wake up in the morning, I've been so deep asleep where I go to turn my doorknob to go to the bathroom and my hands don't work. I'm like, like I have to like use my wrist. I'm like, what the like my hand takes them a few minutes to wake up. That's hilarious. And again, I have a chihuahua. She would get under it. I would never see her again. <laughs> no. She'd be well, oh. Well, there's I mean, it, it would be way too heavy for her to get out. Right. I feel like she would love it. Yeah. She oh yes, now I'm buried. <laughs> oh. Now I have a reason not to get out. Right. Yeah. Lazy. Well, Josh. 
why don't I go ahead and start for this episode? Before we get going into our topics, I wanted to add a little something extra to our episodes, thanks to a book that my friend Brittany got me. And so before we get into our discussions about what we have today, I'm going to start doing a Southern Phrases of the Day. Oh, Just so our listeners can kind of get an idea of the world in which Shane and I grew up (laughs) in. (laughs) I have three. I'm going to start with three, but after this, I'll just do one. Okay. But the first one deals with consequences, and all these are ones that I'm familiar with. Don't let your mouth write checks that your butt can't cash. (laughs) I'm cleaning them up a little bit. They don't use the word butt. Mm -hmm. Another one, wishful thinking. This one I heard a lot, if you could believe it, listeners. I am a very wishful thinker. Wish in one hand and crap in the other. See which one fills up faster. (laughs) Heard that one like too many times growing up. My favorite one, I added the ending to it. Excuses are like butts. Everyone has one. And some of them are crappy. (laughs) I did not realize so many of them were butt-based. Yeah. I was like, man, Southern, what, what's with the Southern obsession with behinds? <laughs> All righty, those are my Southern phrases of the day. Just a little insight into mine and Shane's childhood. <laughs> Perfect. And for you listening, you'll have to try to use those in your daily routine Yes, today. start using the <laughs> wish in one hand, crap in the other. There See which go. one fills up faster. There you go. I'm sure you'll do great. And we want to hear about it. You'll have to report back. I will warn. They are addicting. Once you start using Southern <laughs> phrases, it's like you start making them up just off the top of your head real quick. You're like, how the Blanche Devereaux get back in there? Like, how'd you get? That's hilarious. All righty. What is your topic for today? So my topic is the Voynich Manuscript. Have you ever heard of it? Uh-uh. Okay. So this is one of the world's most mysterious manuscripts. And a manuscript is, of course, it's basically a book. So it's a 15th century book. It measures 15.91 inches by 9.0 inches. inches. That's a a sum of the time. Yeah, you can just take it (laughs) sum of the time. Right. And it contains 244 pages. It's written in an unknown script and language. It's named after Wilfred Voynich, and he is the book dealer who acquired it in 1912. The manuscripts filled with undeciphered text and illustrations of peculiar plants and celestial diagrams mm. and naked women. Oh, my. Yeah. Return it. you know a man wrote it right right? and you know all these men have been sharing it around because look at this and what also makes it so interesting is that no one knows what it says it's just what the language is yeah well it's such a beautiful script and all of the drawings are very beautiful i hope it's nothing really well I just hope it's <laughs> like the Karma Sutra on steroids. Right. Like, oh my, what vile filth, <laughs> but beautiful artistry. <laughs> right. Well, experts in various fields, including code breakers and linguists, have studied the text extensively, yet its contents remain a mystery. Hmm. The Voynich Manuscript's author and origin are unknown. 
with theories suggesting it could be a hoax, a secret code for spies, or contain some scientific knowledge. Of boobies. (laughs) Of how to pleasure women. (laughs) A detective came and knocked on the door, and I said, is it Renee? And he just gave me that solemn look. It was the worst day ever. The Proof Podcast is back with a new case and a new season. 23 years ago, 18-year-old Renee Ramos went missing. Her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town. I don't think that they arrested the right people. It's about time somebody's trying to do something. She had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered. They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to Season 2 of Proof wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask... Did you kill Renee? American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Still, most men don't know how to do it. Oh, they can't read it. (laughs) (laughs) A language lost to time. (laughs) Sorry, ladies. (laughs) Currently housed at Yale University's rare book and manuscript library, the manuscript continues to captivate and puzzle scholars. And Josh, this is the timeline that I was able to create based on what we know and what we think we know of this manuscript. Around 1404 is when it's believed to have been written, though the exact date and the origin is unknown. In 1665, it was recorded in the library of a Jesuit college in Rome. In 1739, it was purchased by Emperor Rudolph II of the Holy Roman Empire for a pretty large sum. That sum would be equivalent to roughly $245,000 today. The world's most expensive porno. (laughs) Pornographic. In 1838, it was acquired by a Polish book dealer. His name is Joseph H. de Soysa. In 1912, it was obtained by Wilfred Voynich, who is its namesake. I want something named after me. Right. Something good, not like a venereal disease or something. <laughs> in 1921, a facsimile edition was published by Voynich, which sparks widespread interest into this manuscript. Now listen, God does not give with both hands, so I am pretty... But what's facsimile mean? <laughs> I know how to pronounce it, but I'm not sure what the, like spark notes. 
uh, it was basically he published another version of the book. Okay, okay. Spark Notes people, like simile Spark Notes. <laughs> so in 1969, the book was donated to Yale University's Rare Book and Manuscript Library. I'd love to go there. And in the present day, the manuscript remains a mystery, with experts still attempting to decipher its contents. Contrary to popular belief, which a lot of people who know about this manuscript believe this, it wasn't quote-unquote discovered, hidden away, or in an obscure location. Its existence has been known for centuries, passing through various collectors and institutions since the 16th century. Despite the extensive study and analysis by experts such as cryptographers, linguists, and historians, the manuscript's contents, author, and purpose remain shrouded in mystery. Theories about the manuscript include it being a hoax, a forgery, a secret code, a lost language, or even occult knowledge, or an experiment in constructed language. Fan fiction. (laughs) As the Voynich manuscript continues to baffle scholars and enthusiasts alike, it remains a captivating and mysterious artifact with its true nature and purpose still waiting to be uncovered. And Josh, I think this is the shortest topic I've ever brought to you. Oh, you're done? I did. Oh, good, because I got a long one. (laughs) Well, that's very interesting, Shane. My topic for, hang on, take a breath. I have a lot of Catholic big words I have to say (laughs) in French. French and Catholic. Why do I hate myself? Well, gang, my mystery for us today takes us back just a few years, more specifically the 15th century. It begins in the village of Domremy in the northeastern part of France, where a simple peasant girl begins to hear voices from whom she claims is God. They lead her on a journey to help free France from the control of Britain and, ultimately, her demise all before she even turned 20 years old. The phrase, those who shine brightest will burn out faster, comes to mind, quite literally, when I think of her, the young woman who called herself Jeanne La Pucelle, or, as we know her, Joan of Arc. Hmm. Fun fact, if anyone has ever had a bob haircut, you can thank Joan of Arc. Her short haircut inspired the style and became popular in France around 1909. I'm also blaming her for the bowl cut I had in the (laughs) 90s. During her travels, Joan would keep her hair short and dress and act like a man. Some say she is one of history's early trans activists, but it was probably to be taken more seriously and to avoid rape or all the above. During her short life, Joan isn't known to have had any love interest or any desires for one. She is known to have died a virgin, something that was verified at the French court. This was still a time in history when women were commonly checked for virginity for a number of reasons, including witchcraft. Now, I'm sure we are all familiar with hearing people use the excuse, Well, God told me to kill them! But was Joan truly receiving voices from a higher power, or was she living with 
undiagnosed mental health problems. Her life was simple and for the time and her status, pretty happy. She did not suffer from any diseases or lose any family to disease or war. She basically just tended to her chores on her father's farm, learned about her religion from her very Catholic mother, wove linens, and played with her friends. It is believed that she had a very strict father who disciplined her harshly. Scholars believe that that is where her belief that she was unworthy of everything derived from. We are unworthy. (laughs) I have the opposite of that. Around the age of 12 or 13, Joan began hearing voices and experiencing visions, which she interpreted as signs from God, as one naturally does. Right. It's a, I mean, for me, that'd be a real far leap. I'd be like, uh-oh, something wrong. Right. I need a pill. <laughs> During her trial, she testified that angels and saints first told her merely to attend church and live piously. Later, they began instructing her to deliver France from the invading English and establish Charles VII, the uncrowned heir to the French throne, as the country's rightful king. A quote from Joan about the voices. When I was 13 years old, I heard a voice from God that helped me govern my conduct. The first time I was very fearful, and again, This voice at the hour of noon, in the summertime, in my father's garden. The voice was sent to me by God. And after I had thrice heard this voice, I knew it was the voice of an angel. Thrice is always a fun fun word. Who the hell uses thrice in a song? It's from that golden girl. (laughs) Miami, you're cuter than and in her uterine. (laughs) Thrice. (laughs) After she began to hear the voices, she also made the decision to sanctify herself by remaining a virgin for her entire life. Even though, when she was 16, after her father had a dream of her riding off with armed men, he arranged a marriage for her. Fearful that his dream meant that she was going to be a prostitute as they were the only women that would ride around with armies. Mm. Gotta make that bread. (laughs) She asserted that a bright light often accompanied the visions and that she heard the voices more distinctly when bells sounded. To me, that sounds like mental illness. Mm -hmm. Based on these details, some experts have suggested that Joan suffers from one of numerous neurological and psychiatric conditions that trigger hallucinations or delusions including migraines, bipolar disorder, and brain lesions, just to name a few. Even another theory holds that she contracted bovine tuberculosis, which can cause seizures and dementia from drinking unpasteurized milk and tending cattle as a young girl. I did not realize how dangerous dairy was throughout human Uh, history. I mean, Abraham Lincoln's mom died from drinking milk that a cow had eaten a poisonous plant from. Right. Give me that nut milk any day of the week, please. (laughs) Joan claims that she began hearing voices in 1412, around when she was 13. She said that the voices were from Saints Michael, Catherine, and Margaret, and that they told her to go to the Dauphine and that she would raise the English siege of Orléans. 
She first went in 1428, but was turned away, of course. I mean, she's a, a peasant girl coming to see the Dauphine. Right. They're not, girl, get out of here. She made a second attempt a year later and was accepted this time, but she was tested upon her arrival. The Dauphine hid as just another court member and had another man pretending to be him. Joan was not fooled, though, for a second and knew the false Dauphine was not Charles. She is then said to have walked the room and identified the real Charles and proved that she had some divine ability. After that, they went into her room alone, and it is said that when he came out, he was glowing as if from holy light from what he had learned. Mm. Apparently, she had told him something that only God would know. There was speculation that he was not legitimate as the king, like he was a bastard. And scholars and historians believe that in that room, she told him that God told her that he was legitimate. Mm. But it even to this day, what was spoken between them is completely secret. Mm. I should have got my Ouija board out. <laughs> what did you tell him? <laughs> Girl, you there? It's me, Margaret. No. <laughs> After that, she was interrogated by the church for several weeks until she was accepted as a true messenger of God, not a spy, assassin, or in legion with the devil. Then she is given a small force and begins the trip to relieve French troops at the Siege of Orléans. Even when they were outnumbered, Joan's forces were always victorious. Even after Joan was injured and survives an arrow, they keep winning against the British troops, and all the messages that Joan claimed she heard kept coming true. On July 17, 1429, Charles VII was crowned King of France, and he ennobled Joan and her family. She also enjoyed enormous popularity among all the people as the savior of France. And this is, she's a teenager. Mm-hmm. A peasant teenager. I mean, I get anxiety going to Walmart. I can't even imagine. <laughs> France, however, was far from unified. Though the English grip was weakened, it was not broken. Paris and parts of Normandy and Burgundy remained loyal to English, and Joan attempted to take Paris but was ordered to retreat before the battle was decided. On May 23, 1430, Joan attempted to raise a siege. However, she was unhorsed, captured, and imprisoned in a castle by the Duke of Burgundy, who was an ally to the English. She unsuccessfully attempted to escape by jumping out of the tower into the moat, but was injured and recaptured. In exchange for 10,000 francs, the Duke of Burgundy turned Joan over to the Bishop of Beauvais, an English ally. The English intended to execute Joan, but first they set out to discredit her as a witch and weaken Charles VII's claim to the French throne. At first, there was an informal hearing in which Joan came through exceptionally well. First, it was verified that she was a virgin, which weakened the case for witchcraft because all witches were supposed to copulate with the devil, according to belief at the time. But everyone knows that's just optional. (laughs) 
Character witnesses painted a shining picture of her piety and virtue. The Bishop of Bouvier repressed all of his testimony after that. Following the informal hearings, the clergy began interrogating Joan in her prison cell. She acknowledged that she could see, kiss, and embrace all three of the saints that were coming to visit her. Joan was finally brought to formal trial before 37 clerical judges on 70 charges, including being a sorceress, a witch, a diviner, a pseudo-prophetess, the invoker of evil spirits, conjurer, and had given to the arts of magic. She was also accused of heresy. However, her inquisitors did not torture her to avoid the appearance of coercion. The charges of sorcery and witchcraft could not be substantiated and were all dropped. The 70 charges were reduced to only 12, the main ones being her heresy and refusing to accept the authority of the church. The others were her wearing of men's clothing and her ability to see apparitions. Joan refused to recant even under the threat of torture or being turned over to the English for punishment, which she knew was certain execution. On May 24, 1431, Joan was publicly condemned as a heretic and turned over to the English, who were all ready to burn her on the spot. But, at the last minute, she recanted and signed a hastily written confession renouncing her visions and voices as false and swearing to return to and obey the church. This saved her from being caught on fire that day, and she was sent to prison for life, even though she was illiterate and had no idea what she was signing. <laughs> her signature, I'm sure, was probably just an X, too, because she was illiterate. She had no way to sign her name sure but in prison she did put on men's clothing again allegedly because her voices told her to but more likely because her english guards took her dresses and left her only with men's clothing i mean she couldn't just make a new outfit in her prison cell she had to get them from somewhere On May 28, 1431, she was condemned as a relapsed heretic because of it, and she recanted her confession. Joan was then excommunicated and delivered to the English. As she was led to the pyre, she is quoted to have said, Hold the cross high so I may see it through the flames. She was burned at the stake on May 30, 1431, and even as she burned, Joan did not recant. She was a very loyal Catholic and spent much of her time praying in Mass and confession whenever she was not at battle. To the end, she continued to claim that the voices she had heard all her life were divine in nature. She called on her three favorite saints, Michael, Catherine, and Margaret, for help as she burned. And right before losing consciousness, she yelled, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The detective came and knocked on the door, and I said, is it Renee? And he just gave me that solemn look. It was the worst day ever. The Proof Podcast is back with a new case and a new season. 
23 years ago, 18-year-old Renee Ramos went missing. Her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town. I don't think that they arrested the right people. It's about time somebody's trying to do something. She had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered. They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof, wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. She was never allowed a final confession before her death. Maybe I was Joan in a past life. (laughs) That's where my Jesus and fascination with her comes. Jesus! Jesus. Well, she must have done something right because I'm pretty, (laughs) pretty neat. (laughs) Now, Catholics are taught that going to confession absolves them of punishment in the afterlife and reconciles them with God, and they should confess their serious sins to a priest at least once a year. If a Catholic dies without recently or ever having been to confession, the Church teaches that the individual's lifetime choices determine what happens after death. I added all this because that was what my question was. It really seemed important when I was researching that she was not giving a final confession. And being Baptist, we never had to confess, only in our prayers at night. And I wanted to look up the significance of that in the Catholic Church, because I just didn't know. Also, according to Catechism, contrition is sorrow of the soul and detestation for the sin committed, together with the resolution not to sin again. Perfect contrition is imbued with a love of God above all other things. A dying person who does not have enough time to seek confession from a priest, but has perfect contrition, will be forgiven and saved from damnation, even if the sins committed were grave. Based on her life, to me, she kind of she fits that category mm. of perfect contrition. If I'm saying that word right, I apologize <laughs> again. Baptist, the opposite (laughs) of Catholic. Legend also has it that the executioner was spooked by her death, claiming that her heart refused to burn, and he found it whole in the ashes. Some members of the church were also afraid to kill her as well. What if she was right? They would be burning a messenger of their God. Throughout her ordeal, Charles VII, to whom she delivered France's crown, 
declined to ever come to her aid, and he ended up reigning for just under 40 years. Hmm. In 1450, the Pope, I'm not going to try to say his name, there's X's and all other things in there. <laughs> in 1450, the Pope had her sentence annulled. Joan was canonized in 1920 by another Pope, 500 years after her death. Today, a national festival in honor of her is held every year in France on the second Sunday in May. It's coming up. Although technically Joan was exempt from the first three miracles that are necessary to become a saint because of her martyrdom, she performed them anyway. Three nuns were miraculously healed from cancer after praying to Joan. And on the path to canonization, Joan also reportedly healed a woman of tuberculosis and another woman of a hole in her foot. Joan of Arc, St. Joan, is the patron saint of soldiers in France. She remains the only person ever to be condemned and canonized by the Catholic Church. After her persecution and death in 1431, her mother Isabel worked hard to clear Joan's name. Finally, in 1456, Joan was declared a martyr. So, was Joan of Arc genuinely receiving messages from God to help France? Why did God choose France over England? That was my question. Was she mentally ill or was she just in tune with forces most people aren't? She was just a simple, uneducated farmer's daughter. How could she have known about all the things she did, all without even knowing how to read? If you or a loved one is hearing disembodied voices, please consult your medical health provider. <laughs> yes, um, please. Unless you're Henry Cavill and those voices are telling you to dump that woman and run away with me, <laughs> then you should listen. <laughs> One of my dreams as a kid was to be the person that reads those warnings at the end of commercials because oh, yeah. I can talk real fast. <laughs> it didn't occur to me that they're just recording it and speeding it up. Right. I was like, well, dang. Well, Jesus, that's about all I got on Joan, except well, for what good. I saved for Unmasked. Got a little extra, mm -hmm. just some fun facts about her and whatnot. How fun. But I remember being obsessed with Joan starting in like elementary school the first time I read about her. And that's where my interest, it's kind of a spiral. It went like Joan and then the country of France. And then that's where my history journey began as a child. <laughs> you said it was in high school? Elementary school. Oh. I remember it was third grade. My teacher, Miss Fisher, had read us a book about her and I just was fascinated with her and that, also the burning at the stake. Was that before or after you had gotten kissed by a girl, Josh? That was before that didn't happen until fourth grade. Mm, I, I got that. kissed at, we had, it was elementary school. So we had like a middle of the day dance. Mm -hmm, I remember yeah. I was one year above Josh. I was in fifth grade. Yeah. I got kissed by my first kiss was from a girl and I ran to the bathroom crying <laughs> Some people came up to me, some of Josh's people in his grade, and they're like, your brother's in the bathroom crying. And I, I thought someone like hit him or something. And I was like, why is he crying? And they're like, 
because so and so kissed him. A girl and I was kissed like, him. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I remember walking into the bathroom and I was like, Josh, are you okay? Just leave me alone. Yeah. Just leave me. Leave me alone. I'll be fine. I've been deflowered. <laughs> I still follow her on Instagram. <laughs> she does hair Good. now. Bless her. Yeah, I. I knew at a very young age that I did not like girls and I was so mad because at that, I had a very specific crush on a certain boy in elementary <laughs> school and I was so mad that, oh, now he's going to know. He's going <laughs> to think I'm with you. Ugh. That's too funny. Never thought to me, oh, he's straight. He don't give a damn. <laughs> right. That's, that's too good. All right, Josh. So I, we have two new reviews that I want to share. Oh, good. One of them was titled, I Love Jesus, by Aaron VG. Praise the Lord. I know. PTL. Praise the Lord. PTL. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise him. Are you smoking? It, oh, it's my little vape oh, thing. Oh, I just thought the chair was smoking. No. <laughs> I just like, saw I smoke. Am. Uh-oh, we've been talking talk about Jesus <laughs> oh too gosh. much. So yeah, much. I was like, Josh, you're going to combust. <laughs> oh, so I just saw a little bit. Some, I didn't even see anything in your hand. If I'm that does like, happen, though, video it. They will be the first ones oh, yeah, to have I proof mean, of human combustion. It's going on Patreon. <laughs> right. You too can see how my brother exploded. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so Aaron told us, these two are the best and I'm completely entertained by their stories, banter, and I feel a little happier and smarter listening to this podcast. Oh, I never in my life ever thought I'd ever make anyone feel I smarter. <laughs> but we are glad that we can fool you, Aaron, and that you're here with us. Thank you. You could be anywhere else, but we're glad that you choose to be here. And then our next review, Josh, comes from someone who, I don't know how in the world I'm going to pronounce this. But I'm going to call the name Steph Holmgren. Steph Holmgren? Steph Holmgren. Okay. Yeah. I, I would think that it's like a mixture of maybe their first, middle, and last name maybe. But they titled the review as LOVE in all caps with some exclamation points. Aww. And the review says, I love this podcast. These two are fun to listen to from their stories to their voices. I look forward to each new episode. Well, thank you, Steph Holmgren. Yes, thank you both. <laughs> and anybody else, if you wish to leave us a review, if you like our podcast, if not, go away. Yeah. But still listen. <laughs> yeah. And you can leave a review on Apple Podcast or a rating on Spotify, and we would appreciate that if you did. They do put a big pep in my step. Like days I know we're going to record, I like, you know, mm -hmm. it makes you more excited. You're like, oh, yeah. we've got people that are like excited to hear this voice. I know. And then... Josh and I, whenever we see a new one, we'll screenshot them and send them to each other. And mm -hmm. we just, it makes our day. So we appreciate you guys that you guys would. I like waking up to. Take the time to do that. Positive messages about us. Mm -hmm. Always a nice, better than coffee. Almost, yeah. almost. I'm addicted to that coffee. Well, Josh, we will start Unmasked in just a minute. I wanted to tell you that my Unmasked episode today is going to be about a book that, in my opinion, it's slightly more mysterious and by far, not as well known Ooh. as the Voynich Manuscript. Oh, good. Yeah. Mine is, I have just a little bit more fun facts about Joan's life and the myth and lore of the weapon she used. Mm. She had a very specific weapon that was used. Well, good. I can't wait to hear it. 
Well, if you'd like to join us, we will be over on Unmasked, where you can find that on Apple Podcast Premium and on our Patreon. Au revoir. All right. I'll see you guys later. Bye.